I V M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and on today's episode, I'm thrilled to welcome back Avant Financial Services, one of India's largest education loan providers, NBFCs. My guest, Yogesh Rawat, Chief Operating Officer, and we'll be talking about what's happening in the education loan industry and much more right after this short break. Subscribe to Paisa Paisa with Anubam Gupta on YouTube for knowing more about a wide variety of financial products from mutual funds to credit cards to loans and much more. Boost your financial knowledge and growth today. And welcome back. Yogesh, welcome to Paisa Paisa. Thank you so much for doing this for our listeners. Thanks Anubam. Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. We had Amit in December 2021. I think by that point of time, the pandemic and the lockdown were kind of waning off. Hopefully now it's over. What's been happening at Avant since then? So as a proud Avancian, I would share that company has achieved another milestone that is completed 10 years of existence. So who we are, a quick recap, Avance is a new age, technologically advanced, digitally focused, new age education financing NBFC. So providing hyper personalized education financing solutions for overseas master's program, digital skilling courses in domestic, mm-hmm. as well as loans for test prep and school fees. Yeah. In addition to that, we have also provided around 1000 schools and colleges, a capex and for working capital loans. Coming to uh, what we want to be. So Avance largely, it's a purpose-driven organization. I must add it here. So purpose-driven organization for democratizing education and education finance in India with a mission to make education financing a very seamless and affordable journey for deserving students of India. So what we have done so far, what we have achieved so far. So I humbly state that Avance has achieved around 30% of cashier in last five years and specifically in last three years, 70% of cashier compounded annual growth rate, uh, serving around four lakhs of the aspiring students for overseas master programs and several other programs, which I just talked about. Yeah. However, Anupam, it is very important also to share that what are our guiding principles, basis which what we have achieved so far. So first remains our segment-led approach. So that when I say segment-led approach, largely our all the product programs are hyper-personalized to the customer needs. It is not one size fit for all. The second remains our core principles of governance, risk, credit and controllership. We always ensure that we sustainably upheld these uh, four principles. Then comes a customer centrality and it is not an exotic word for us, believe me, while it looks like, it sounds like. So, but whatever policy decisions, actions we take, we ensure that the customer interest is considered foremost. And the last is a meritocracy culture which the company runs. Yeah. I want to understand the education loan industry. Okay, just help me with that, right? Because... It's not a new industry. It's been there for a long time. It is a product that a lot of people need also, whether it's foreign education or even Indian education. I've heard that education inflation is more than normal inflation. So can you just talk about the industry to us? Because there are banks and then there are NBFCs. You, of course, you're a 10-year-old NBFC in this. I believe banks have been in this space for quite some time. Mm -hmm. They've tried doing various things, but somehow it's a very different industry from, say, personal loans, loan against security, loan against property. What makes education loan so unique? So uh, I think it's a very interesting question, very wide question. Uh, So I will try to respond to this question in three facets. First and the foremost, very interesting interaction we had with our regulator. And they said, and they reiterated and reminded themselves and ourselves also that you are not lending TV (laughs) consumer loans or videos or maybe a car you are basically financing the dreams of the student so as together and since it is a new asset class so educational loan per se overseas education loan was not there 
so hardly there was one or two companies which were into that Absolutely. so last 5 7 year there has been a tremendous growth in overall overseas education financing and this regulators also realize that and now we all are working together a handful of nbfcs and the regulator to identify what are the right way of doing and sustainably growing the business keeping in mind that student aspirations dreams are at center of the everything so coming back to the education loan industry today it is around 1.5 lakh crores of total book size now having said that around uh, 60 to 70000 crores are coming from the overseas masters program and out of that the prominent larger two players are there one is avans the other is credela hmm. between the two the industry has grown uh, around 50 to 60% of catcher in last few many years and that is largely driven by two facets one is a demand side pull the other is a supply side pull so when i talk about the supply side pull and I think it's a very unique industry wherein at the same time there are both the pulls are giving in the same direction. So when I say supplied side pull, so uh, there has been a geopolitical change wherein the India is now considered as a equivalent to the preferred nation, yeah. and Indian students uh, policies are being changed to basically attract Indian students for overseas education. Then of course there is a shortage of skill at the Western countries, and thirdly another supply side factor is that the revenue or the income which is generated from these foreign students has become very sizable for any Western country. not to ignore that so the demand side would i would say it is a now complete conclusion that the overseas education increases the upward mobility for the entire generation yeah. previously it was all about immigration at a work visa today it is immigration through studying increasing the skill sets and then becoming a global citizen so all these two things together have led to the required increase yeah i want to ask you this question right because think of it as a very indirect way of talking to parents okay who for them the topmost question for them is which college do i send my child to in that sense what are the hottest a colleges that you get applications for and b the hottest areas while of course the trends keeps on changing but if we see it has now stabilized over last 5 years so before that what is the right country to choose from and what are the trends coming from there so our understanding is that largely the selection of a country depends upon three things mm. one is a total cost of education so cost of education includes of course cost of tuition and other living expenses so that is one of the major criteria for deciding which country to go for studies the second remains the visa friendly policies of course so country has to have a very liberal visa friendly policies to accommodate the vast diaspora of the education aspirants the third remains that what are the post education employment opportunities? opportunities all these three things combined together create a identification of a country and usa australia canada and uk they are all time favorite so we have not seen their demand their preferences going down whatever has been the change of global situation mm. however there are countries which are catching up like finland netherlands ireland germany france now they are creating their own specific programs policies to attract indian students so that is for the country part if we talk about the courses part yeah. while well, of course courses about what is happening but last two decades i think there has been a clear uh, bias towards stem courses that is science technology engineering mathematics however within science the two traditional courses of computer science and information technology so they have evolved like in computer science ai and ml is a hot favorite and it will remain so maybe for another 10 years at least and in information technology the more focus is now towards cloud computing big data data science yeah, data yeah. analytics and yes development operations so let me understand your book i don't know what was the breakdown of masters so could you just help us with that how much of your loan book is for masters probably maybe some for undergrad that's the first level of classification and also whether you do domestic 
education loans also so between foreign and domestic if there's a breakup out there just yeah. for people to understand the trends in students who are going out so yeah. first is masters versus undergrad second is foreign versus domestic i just throw a macro numbers first so macro numbers it was 2.5 lakhs that was pre covid which increased to 4 and a half lakhs that was in 2022 that's the number of uh, that 2021 number of students going abroad for oh. masters or for undergrad Okay. So it increased further to 2022 by 2022. It increased to seven and a half lakhs, wow. and it is expected to be ten lakhs for this year. Ten lakhs is ten lakhs number of students going for masters plus undergrad. Wow. Total. So that so is a two and a half to ten. Two and a half to four ten. Four times in and four and a half five years. So wow. the process is giving around fifty percent plus casual. Okay. So that is a numbers largely. However, there is a story behind these numbers. We can talk about that later on. If we see about what is a constitution mix between the two, so around forty to fifty percent is masters and rest is undergrad. Wow. So and presently, Avans as a company now we have created our right to win in our masters education financing, wherein seventy percent of Avans book is basically for students opting for STEM courses, and thirty percent is non-STEM. When I say non-STEM, it is MBA. Plus, then there are one-year master programs akin to certificate and diploma courses in hospitality, healthcare, nursing, cloud computing, data analytics, which are largely segregated to concentrated in UK and Canada, hmm. Germany. Okay, let's talk about the range of loans out here in USD. Okay, what would the highest or the best master's education in STEM cost? Okay, and what would say the annual fees of an undergraduate course first year second year third year fourth year whatever just for our listeners to get an idea of the amount of loan that they might have to take if they want to go to the us for a masters course or if they want to go to the us for undergrad actually uh, that is a question of maths and very important <laughs> factor while deciding this thing so i'll talk about the cost of tuition fees one however it is pertinent to also add that tuition fees is just around 60% of overall total cost of education so we will also talk about that later on so first the tuition fees so largely in under a masters course typically if we talk about us the tuition fees is around 60050 to 60000 dollars okay right similarly if we talk about canada which is a one year master now usa has a two year masters program canada has a masters program fees of around 15000 canadian dollars if we go further to germany it is around 5 to 10000 german currency so that is the difference of cost of tuition however that does not mean that the lower the cost of tuition the higher is the preferences so it is uh, what we have seen it is the other way around however coming to the total cost of education now the secondary expenses which is a living expenses comes at around 30 to 40% of our tuition fees wow 100000 usd for That's a masters right. for, for a, a for master's. an mba for a two years masters ah, two yeah. years obviously i mean yeah. you know so that is living expenses however wow. so there are ways to basically subsidize that and then of course there is a 10% more of a ancillary fees ancillary sure. fees is about visa ticketing and other related education and material expenses okay so in totality total cost of education comprises of these three primary cost of tuition secondary living expenses and then ancillary fees okay and i'll just stop you there when you say 100000 for a two year course in the us are you giving me an average number or are you giving me like the best or the worst so, or whatever so I, so i would say that i am giving you the above average number okay understood average okay number. us itself has thousands of universities yeah, yeah, yeah. and if we talk about top 500 universities they would be above average sure and of course there are universities and our indian diaspora is also going there so they are selecting there because i think what we believe in is a mix of efforts as well as education so probably a thousand ranked us university would be 
equally serving the interest of the student and sure. it is totally advisable to select basis their own preferences yeah right? so i want my listeners to go back with the number of a crore number, uh, because so, 85 lakhs is so, what i am and how at. does it get managed how does it get managed so crore would be the at the highest side i would say if we talk about the indian rupees so typically 70 lakh rupees would be overall total cost sure. of education for us for an average university now this 70 lakhs actually you would be surprised and the listeners probably would feel glad about that that our disbursal since while we disburse 100% of total cost of education our disbursal for us is not more than 35 lakh rupees sure. so then how does that rest of the money gets financed so all the countries they allow a campus working us has a 20 hours per week campus working finland germany netherlands they have around 900 hours a year for campus working similarly canada also has few around 30 to 40 hours of campus working so all these campus workings basically allow a student to earn and subsidize their living expenses and net net then there are subsidies there are finances there are waivers hmm. by the university itself once the semester grades are good enough so automatically a us course of 70 lakhs total cost of education total loan taken at around 40 45 lakhs ultimately disbursed at around 30 32 lakhs and it gets i think foreclosed in 4 years so that has been our historical trend yeah undergrad this is about masters when we talk about undergrad undergrad is of course a four year game and when we say four year that means the cost of education and the cost of living both increases by a very large margin so 1 1.5 lakh crore is a ticket size for a undergrad program as far as us is concerned mm. of course it will slightly lower in canada but for undergrad i think canada and usa they are the uh, most preferred countries 100 to 150000 usd per year so uh, total 4 years ha so total 4 years thank you okay okay folks we're going to take a small break out here when we come back we'll be talking about the specifics of how an education loan works if you heard yogesh he spoke about how in a masters degree you have the option of working on campus etc but we'll get down into actually the interest rates how it is serviced what if you can't pay and all of those questions right after the small break and welcome back you guys tell us how an education loan works and i want you to choose the most popular loan at avance i don't know whether that that's a masters loan to the us or whatever it is i just want you to explain to our listeners exactly what an education loan is how exactly does it work in terms of emi down payment repayment etc let's just go into bit of detail on that sure anupam how does an education loan works while well, of course this is a matter of interest for everybody specifically the listeners so i would just talk about what is the ecosystem of education loan while we talk about the numbers so the ecosystem largely is that it is now a proven fact that the education is a harbinger of development and the regulators have created a conducive ecosystem by classifying education financing as a priority sector lending however there is a cap of 20 lakh rupees so that means whatever masters program education financing is required so that would be beyond ps and most of the banks nationalized banks they finance these type of courses basis asking a collateral against the loan one and secondly they seek a parents or co applicants current income methodology to arrive at the eligibility there are few lenders and specifically if i talk about avance so what we have created we have created a model as i mentioned that we have created a model of pre approved courses around 30000 are the total courses wherein it's a collateral free loan we don't seek a collateral there and then we don't also solely 
rely on the current income. What is our underwriting model is that we have identified what would be the future income of the student once the course is completed. So we factor that and then basis that an eligibility is created and which is also strengthened our right to win and that is why the most tier 2 tier 3 students who are aspiring for overseas education they are also our customer. So that is the overall education. So if we talk about largely four things, how to basically select an education loan partner. So I would say understanding the total cost of education and then checking out whether the 100% of that financing is allowed or mm. not. Whether a student takes or not is a separate thing. So that is a separate advice to it. I'm sure they would be financially sound enough to understand that it at the end of the day it is a loan. However, important is that once you are in the midst of a semester and you are running out of cash, your family is running out of cash, whether your lender can provide the entire education because edu completing the education is a foremost goal for the student as well as for the lender because the, the repayment is interconnected, right? That is the first thing. Second would be that whether the sanction itself one go or it is based on the yearly, annually or semester semester basis. Correct. There are different models to it. We at Avance, we totally do a sanction one go sanction. It saves the hassles of a student entering into administrative process of paperwork once he is overseas. He or she is overseas. Third, I would say, again, I just mentioned about the income eligibility. So if you are from a family whose current income may not be sufficing enough to basically identify or create eligibility, then probably you have to check with the lender that whether future income is considered or not. For us, it is. And that is what is our right to win. And the fourth, I would say, while it may not be important when you are taking the loan, but now it has been proven that student and education loan is an asset class where you need to have very differential staff at the forefront. The company's policies has to be accommodating enough to basically address the student's need. So the entire journey starts from the application off to the college till the time the student is fully employed. So two and a half years of total journey, the company, the lender has to be a strong domain expert. They should be customer centric. They should follow customer centric approach so that if there are any issues which student is facing, the lender is accommodative enough to address those issues. Can we get into specific numbers here? Let's say that there's someone from India who wants to do a master's in AI or computers or whatever it is that, like you said, with your numbers costs 100,000 total, 60K for tuition, 30K for living. How does the loan work in the sense that do you disburse the entire amount after I have received confirmation from them? And actually, let me take two steps back. When do I approach you? After I have finally got an admission? when I'm doing the process or where? Let's just go, you know, like yeah, sure. basics. Sure. If I go to the intricacies of an application of an education loan, so it can be at the two stages. One is a pre-admit stage and the other is a post-admit stage. However, let me clarify both the stages, the visa may or may not be there. Mm. So there are very few players largely who take an exposure in a sanctioning of a loan when there is no visa at all. So uh, coming back to the pre-admit stage, that means a student has decided that he or she wants to go abroad and the student is seeking the eligibility part of it. That is called pre-admit. Okay. They are only KYCs, income document if available. The challenge is pre-admit is that since we don't know what course is there, the future income eligibility is very difficult. So thereon, the income documents, current income documents has to be there. The third remains, of course, the academic records of the student. So this is a pre-admit stage. Sorry, are you saying that only if I'm working in a job currently, can I apply for a loan? What about graduates who have just completed four years and want to directly go for an MBA? Mm -hmm. 
they wouldn't be eligible yeah. so both are welcome for anywhere in a overseas masters education financing both are welcome however in both the situation there has to be a co-applicant and that co-applicant preferably has to be an earning co-applicant because even if the student is earning right now once he or she goes for a education there would be no income flow obviously so there has to be a co-applicant preferably earning there can be a situation where the co-applicant is not earning sure. that call is taken solely basis the customer so case to case basis and case to case yeah, basis so then i get my parent involved let's say the parent has a certain income whatever it is on the basis of that you would then approve the loan let's go into the second stage second. you spoke about so post admit so largely what we have seen is that and this is also advisable that student comes to us after understanding that what are the courses or the colleges from where he has got a at least initial level of confirmation that is called post admit mm. and that typically has three different models one us has a i20 which gives a acknowledgement that the student's admission has been confirmed and then there is a cas in uk cas is in canada and uk we have an appointment letter sure. right so these are the three documents which largely we rely on and the cases tagged into post admit phase the rest of the documents remain the same okay however the decision for lender as well as student is much more easier when there is a post admit situation because you know the what is the total education and what would be the future income eligibility for the student mm. coming to the more critical part of it that is a visa part of it so pre admit and post admit visa may not be there may be there so mostly it is not there so there are very few lenders and uh, again i would remention that avance is one of the such lenders where we are open and we have our larger base incremental uh, customers coming to us largely they are from this category the visa application still in process okay right once they are mentally free with respect to the financing solution part of it then they focus on their visa interview part of it so and we have our own model of controls wherein uh, even if a disbursal is required pre visa we also do that oh nice okay now that the visa has come in and he's you know whoever the student he or she is ready to go to the us when do you disburse the money of course it is depends on the country wise sure. so if we talk about uk and canada the disbursal has to be pre visa okay right in usa the disbursal largely happens post visa ha huh. okay and how much of the total education fees do you give a loan for like if it's 100000 do you give a loan of 40k usd or 60k usd what is the average number for that so our product programs upon are largely worked out in a model that we finance 100% of cost of education Huh. we can finance 100% of cost of education however it is up to a customer but we have seen that most of the customers at least they bring in 10% of the cost of education sure one secondly what we have also seen is that they uh, students by their own liking and preference they don't want a living expenses for maybe beyond 6 month or beyond uh, first year of the education okay so in that sense uh, that is also a wise decision so that the leveraging remains controlled sure repayment and actually before repayment interest rate what are the range of interest rates that are out there and i'm asking because interest rates have been rising you know so what is the range of interest rates and how do we repay the loan so interest rates actually interest rates totally depend upon what is a collateral provided for the loan so as i mentioned there are nationalized bank there are private banks and there are very few nbfcs which are into this segment so banks largely they offer a collateralized loan and for them the rate of interest is akin to the secured loan for nbfcs the loans may or may not be collateralized and the current income may or may not suffice enough depending upon these two factors and the most important factor that what is a course and what is a college hmm. for example if a student is opting for a harvard 
or Oxford. So the rate of interest would be different versus the rate of interest to be applied for if the rank of a university is 1000. Okay. So all these around three or four combinations together, they basically provide an outcome of what is a right interest rate for that particular student. So uh, in totality, if I say the industry operates from 10% to 12.5%. Oh, that's depending it. upon what is the security available, what Very is the income used, and what is the yeah. course. Ten to twelve and a half percent. Yeah, that's right. Very interesting. Repayment. So uh, repayment largely is spread over a period of 10 years as a standard. So 10 years means that 10 years includes your education period, your moratorium period to find the job and then your repayment period. However, happy to share with you as well as other listeners that our existence of 10 years as well as our data footprints of other competition, what we have seen, typically education loan gets over in four years. So nice. that is a, that is a power of education, I would say, as I mentioned previously, that is an upward mobility in the post-education situation. So the first and the foremost income is applied towards paying the education loan. And that is the right way also. Yeah. How is this a business, Yogesh? Because it's a tough one, right? I mean, you have something like a credit card, which is unsecured. You have something like a loan against property that's secured. You can always sell that thing and, you know, recover your money that you gain. But this is something that you're betting on someone's future. How has this business been for you? Because it's been 10 years, you know, so if we talk about NPAs or generally the growth, of course, is we are convinced about the growth prospects, as you mentioned that at the start of the episode. But when you're running this business, you know, your I don't know what your NIMS are. Um, I don't know what your NPAs are. Could you just talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, while it is out there in the public, so we are a debt listed company. So anybody who follows us, probably they would get the, our financials as well every quarterly release. So uh, happy to share that our overall NIMS as well as our uh, NPA, that is 90 plus, largely they are best in class with respect to any NBFCs and in any any asset class. And honestly, the credit does not go alone to the avance. Hmm. The credit goes to the mentality of the students and the parent. Hmm. Because I think what we have understood and what now competition and many banks have also understood is that if you have a right strategy and right connect with the customer. So this is one of the segment wherein you can basically build a large book with minimal of NPAs. Because the student, the credit risk is so, so minimal because the student, even though it is unsecured, the thought of basically defaulting mm. may not, may or may not, may never come actually in the student's mind. Yeah. So that has been overall our experience so far. So just throwing the numbers, our education loan, while we have a multiple segments of business, our educational loan per se, they are less than 20 bips of NP. Less than 20 bips. Less than 20 bips of it. Nice. Okay. Last couple of questions in areas that are slightly new. Okay. And there are two areas that I wanted you to talk to us about, which hopefully our listeners might get a better idea. Upskilling, reskilling. What is the, you know, I saw on a website that you do give loans for these. So what are these two things? I think moving on from education to the... To after the education. Right, after education, it's a right discussion. So probably upskilling and reskilling now is a global phenomenon. So... If we understand skilling, largely the skilling, what we have understood is that skilling is an ability which is acquired over a period of time to perform a particular task, job function, largely. So uh, skilling, if I further elaborate skilling, skilling is largely, and specifically last two decades, there has been humongous dynamic changes, which has led to reassessment of what is your skill repository Mm -hmm. and whether you require upskill, Mm -hmm. which is largely continuing the same job, but performing your job more effectively and efficiently, or there is a reskilling need. Upskilling is largely, as I mentioned, it is just performing, uh, enhancing your existing skill sets and then doing the same job or basically seeking a career advancement. But reskilling is altogether a different ballgame. Reskilling is more of a personal journey, I would say. So wherein whenever a person or uh, basically a professional wants to change 
and enter into different trajectory of an industry job function that is a reskilling you have to acquire totally new skill and if i just want to add my personal story about that so i also completed my executive mba uh, from uh, the joint collaboration from iit and washington university sure. and uh, of course that was also triggered by the event of self awareness and then my basically decision to change my job role function industry as well as acquire new skills how does this work let's you know you've given a great example of how someone who's probably spent 10 years 15 years into his job and now is looking for maybe a new line or an to you know to refresh his knowledge goes for an exec mba exec mba is a uh, very expensive okay and especially when you do it at a very renowned um, renowned place like a harvard or a stanford or i mean they do have courses like these so you finance those also okay so how does that work and what is you know in your experience so far what is the profile of people who take loans for this purpose Sure. So, uh, exact MBAs. Uh, while there are three thousand management schools uh, in India, and around there is a nine thousand enrollments for exact MBAs. executive education i would say so executive education is largely categorized into two parts one is your exact mba and the other is management development programs these two are uh, basically uh, are of a similar nature but the mode of uh, dissemination is slightly different exact mbas are more about your weekend classes your online your hybrid and your international immersions so uh, if you talk about exact mbas largely so every exact mba largely so i think top 100 management schools if i just count all, all iit iims yeah. they are into now exact mbas and avans also basically do a non collateralized loan for this exact mba pursue however there is a one difference is that uh, the current income of the student which is largely a professional is considered while creating an eligibility as compared to the overseas master wherein future income is used. correct yeah, yeah of course right of course these are non collateralized loans and the tenor is also lower preferably 5 okay. to 6 years is a tenor of these loans sure okay give us a checklist like our listeners are here they're listening and they want to choose an education loan provider for a master's education your most popular product i assume what would you tell them like point number 1 2 3 4 5 how to choose a good loan provider for their education okay so first and foremost i mentioned that unless and until you have understood where your country and courses already selected now then go for whoever is providing the maximum finance of total cost of education now total cost of education needs to be computed very very thoroughly because what is there out there in the footprints social media footprints may not suffice you have to connect to your your seniors the persons your cousins who are already out there to understand what is the current total cost of education and as i mentioned inflation i'll also give a rule of thumb that cost of inflation of education is 2x of the cost of inflation correct yeah that statistic so, is very yeah. so, so if, uh, so if you're that at 6% a, then that's 12% that is absolutely amazing so what may would have held around 2 years back 3 years back may not hold good now that is one thing that who is financing 100% of the total cost of education the so second as i mentioned that sanction at one go it has to be extremely hassle free for the journey for the entire till the time there is a emi starts happening mm. so that is the second thing third i would say the income eligibility as i would reiterate that most of our students opting for masters education are around 3 to 4 years of experience students working professionals who may not have a entire funds available for providing a partial money for cost of education so look for a lender who basically will value your future income eligibility Nice. these are the three things i guess fourth thing i think is more very simple very easy to understand that go with a lender who basically is expert in that 
may not be a lender who is basically having 10 products and education is one of that it would be very difficult for them to actually give you a customized solution just one thought just struck me what's your worst case scenario out here for someone who can't repay on what happens to him because here though there's no collateral let's assume there's no collateral of course if there is a collateral then that's fine run after their father who's given the guarantee and recover the money from him how does very sticky you know very dicey situation work so while we may say one point that the cycle would not have shown whatever limited experience of around 10 years we have and typically in 10 years in nbfc at least two cycles comes so we have seen that very rarely unless until there is a god forbid medical issue this situation does not happen mm. why i am saying is that because if a student has already got an admission and a visa and you have already checked the academic records of the student before financing there is a close to 99.5% probability that the course will get completed and that is for every indian i think that is the simplest of the thing mm. they can do is that complete an education course so once a course gets completed there is immense shortage of manpower over there so indian employees are preferred amongst all the races indian races indian employees are preferred in any organization that is our field survey what we have done sure we were just talking uh, to one of the dean of uh, top most universities of us and he says that now they have created a charter to diversify their students intake currently it is biased towards one country now there has been a clear charter that they want 50% of the indian students to come Hmm. that is a big thing so that is a situation that unless and there is a misfortune event so the course will get completed and employment will get done in case this happens so as i mentioned earlier so the company which is integrated with students communities is largely preferred by students that is our company what we do is that we we actually look at a customer centric approach and see what is the situation which has led to this default and if it that situation is beyond the control of the customer we go all out hmm. to support hmm. even though we have a co-applicant parent but in many cases co-applicant parent may not have a wherewithal to repay yep. the entire loan yep. we just provide them the customized solutions in exiting that as well okay and you said that you've got less than 20 bps of nbs 20 bps of nbs okay my standard last question to all the guests who come on the show is any content recommendation any book that you're reading that you'd like to recommend to our listeners or anything at all yeah. so in fact i would recommend two books totally two diverse uh, topics i would say one is a book by eliyahu goldrat that is uh, titled as goal Mm. so if you are a service professional or a manufacturing industry professional working there so probably and go through this book it will change your all principles of how to manage your operations that's g o a l g o l by elihu goldrat okay right he is an israeli author yeah, yeah. and i think this is a theory of constraint so how theory of constraint can be inbuilt into our overall value chain management so that is the overall learning from that the second coincidentally that is also an israeli author i don't know how it happened okay. so the second is you all know you harari, uh, harari. sapiens so, or uh, 21 uh-huh. lessons for the 21st century the latest book i guess. the latest book nice. so while it is not complete yet but i think that is also very compelling therefore us to actually rethink that what we know may not be yeah. sufficient enough and when very great insight largely connected to our discussion is that whatever kids are learning today it may not be relevant in mm. 2050 yeah but so there are a lot of discussions <laughs> about skilling reskilling and upskilling considered in that book as well yeah so folks goal and 21st century lessons Le- 21 lessons for 21st century 21 lessons for 21st century outstanding book recommendations there that is the wrap on this episode of paisa paisa my guest yogesh rawat chief operating officer avans financial services yogesh thank you so much for doing this for our listeners thanks anupam 
And listeners, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you get to watch the full video episodes. You can check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anubam Gupta, B50 on Twitter. And thank you, really, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Pesa Pesa. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.